We are continuing in our new sermon series on Genesis 1 through 11 called Gospel Origins because these early chapters in the Bible are pointing us to something later, something greater, something richer. They're not an end in and of themselves. Uh, No intro to a book is an end in and of itself. So questions about creation and Noah's Ark shouldn't be the focal point of Christian conferences and the substance of a Christian subculture. Genesis 1 through 11 serve as foundation. We know that uh, any building's foundation is an incredibly important part of the structure. It's got to be solid. It's got to be plumb and level. It has to support all the weight that is going to be built upon it. It has to bear that. But once it's laid down, the foundation isn't the focal point of the building. It's there. Only if something goes wrong does focus return to the foundation. And so, uh, today's a good example of gospel origins from the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1. Today, we're going to look at a few key verses that tell us something foundational about all of humanity. And uh, we'll note, this is later on in Genesis, but we know from experience, we know from um, our own lives that in our sin, we've messed up that foundational reality of humanity. Creation has been corrupted, but then we'll see how Genesis 1 is fulfilled in recreation, which is why these are gospel origins. They'll point ahead to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're able to, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 27. Listen carefully. These are God's words. Sorry, uh, 24. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along on the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 31, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. This is God's word. Let's pray. Lord, continue to give us, by your Spirit, eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to peer at foundation, but not linger there. Let our gaze ultimately fall upon the heart of all of Scripture, Jesus and Him alone. We pray in His name. Amen. Please be seated. We'll start this morning by talking about the pinnacle of creation, the pinnacle of God's creation. Last week we read in Genesis 1-2 that the earth was formless and empty. It was without structure and it was without contents. And so in days 1-3, through we saw that God created these realms through separating two things. 
And then in days four through six, God filled those realms and provided rulers over those realms. That's the structure of the six days of creation. And we also saw how much repetition there is in Genesis chapter one. These are phrases that repeat over and over. And God said, let there be, and it was so, and there was evening, and there was morning, the whatever day it is. There's another phrase that's repeated strikingly often. It's uh, when plants and sea creatures and birds and all the animals are each created according to their kind. It's a phrase repeated 10 times in chapter 1. But when we go to day 6, something about the repetition, the rhythm changes. It's different. First of all, day 6 has more detail than any other day. Uh, I created these little uh, charts just to illustrate. Both of them um, depict the same thing, how many words are used in our English Bibles at least. It's it's an approximation um, for each day. And day 6 has so much more to say about what God does. It's not that God was more busy than the other days. It's not that um, day six was, was that much more difficult and he had to exert himself. It's because this lacked ass act of creation is his masterpiece. It's what he's been building towards. He crafts a most unique creature made now not according to its kind, like everything else, but according to the image of God himself as creator. Adam, the first human being. And verse 26 also has another new element. It, it's surprising. It's striking. It should. Let me read it again. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And we should be wondering, uh, who's God talking to? Who, who else is there? If you or I use we or us language on a regular basis when there's nobody around, a friend might suggest you see somebody about that. Somebody who can look and figure out who's y'all in there, who's talking to themselves. But God is not missing any marbles. God is not lonely and therefore needs to talk to himself. This is a, a, one of the hints of God's being as one God and three persons. God is community in and of himself. God has relationship within himself. We get these hints of Trinity. The first hint we got was back in verse 2 when we saw the Spirit of God hovering over the waters prepared to somehow, we don't know exactly what his role was, but somehow to be involved in bringing the world out of chaos. Second chapter in the Bible. Last week, I mentioned John's gospel, starting with an echo of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, John says, was the word, referring to Jesus. And then in verse 3, John says, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Talking about Jesus. And so if we ask the question, very simple question, uh, a preschooler would ask, who made everything? Our answer is God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. 
back uh, to the main focus of these verses. Verse 27 ends up repeating the beginning of verse 26, and we would assume for emphasis. 27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Three times we read, God created. God created. He created. There's an emphasis. We can't miss it. Two more times we're told God created mankind in his image. Something is incredibly significant on this day six that has more detail than any other day that God wants us to know. This is what he's been working towards all along. Man and woman are his greatest act of creation. And we need to ask the question now, so what does it mean for all of humanity to be created in the image of God? So secondly, we're going to talk about self-image versus God's image. Would you be shocked if I said that in today's world, lots of people think of themselves um, more highly than they ought? You wouldn't, that there's no surprise there. In a, in a social media, Instagram, uh, whatever kind of tools people use to tell everybody about themselves, the fact that selfies is a word in our vocabulary tells us a lot. And maybe a, a cynical description of some social media use would say it's a way to let everybody around you know how wonderful your life is, how beautiful you are, how wealthy, uh, how many toys you have, how, how creative, how witty and clever you are. There, there are some good uses for social media, absolutely. But the look-at-me kind of narcissism tends to stick out and highlight the fact that lots of people in today's world have a really high view of themselves. Um, a, a good amount of secular therapy is intended to give you affirmation, to build you up, to, to tap into the potential of the inner you and maximize it. You do you. Be all that you can be. That old army recruiting slogan. M much of that fits with a, what, what we'd call a humanistic view of reality. And it's sort of self-describing right? Humanism puts humanity at the center of all things. The humanist doesn't believe that there's anything beyond the material and the physical, and therefore there's no room for God. There is no God. It's a closed box. Humanism's faith is in self. Our own ability to make meaning, our own ability to rescue ourselves from bad things, our own ability to um, save ourselves from disease, from ecological disaster, from evil. Hum humanism believes we just need to keep making progress. And we, over time, we can um, begin to achieve this sort of utopia on earth or maybe on some other planet if we're not doing a good enough job preserving our own. Its view of humanity is both too high and too low. It's too high because hum humanity will never figure out ultimate meaning on our own. We'll never be able to achieve a, a real and lasting paradise, anything approximating that. We're, we're too selfish. We're, we're, we're too broken down. We're too flawed, and we're not the center of the universe. And, and 
Um, at the same time, we'd say humanity's, uh, humanism's view of humanity is also too low because mankind created the image of God is far more than an intelligent, advanced animal that has evolved. Responding to the too high view of self, we might quote Romans 12.3, where Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Paul's saying, be careful about inflating your sense of self beyond what you should. Have a sober view. But there's also a sense in which we don't think of ourselves more highly enough, and that's rooted in the truth that is reflected in today's passage, that God has created mankind in his own image. This obviously doesn't mean we're clones of God, but it does mean that we share some of his qualities, some of his attributes, not to the same degree, but to some extent we reflect who he is. And so we can love, we can express wisdom, we're creative like God is, uh, just not quite with that kind of power. We can't make something out of nothing. We take something that God has already created and make new things of it. We can think uh, abstractly. We have a full range of emotions. We're, we're able to enjoy this unique experience of relationship with our creator, something no other animal can experience. We, we have the capacity to re- receive God's revelation, to know Him through the means He's provided in Scripture. We're able to respond, to take that revelation about who He is and then respond to Him in worship. The, the, the idea of what it means, what's included in being made in the image of God could easily be a mini-series on its own. But that's just a little snapshot of of what that means to be created in God's image, to reflect His glory. Here's just two practical implications, both related, of um, the image of God in us. First of all, the sanctity of human life. Yes, that applies to the unborn. We should protect the most vulnerable. But it also applies to the handicapped, to the mentally impaired, to the terminally ill. We, we should, as the people of God who know this revelation, who know this grandest of origins, we're not just an advanced, complex animal made in the image of God. We should guard and defend the vulnerable because every person has inherent dignity rooted in Genesis chapter 1, first chapter in the Bible. And, and the second practical application is, is very much related I'd say this to you, who, who may not qualify as the most vulnerable among human beings. You do not need the workplace or your social media friends to click like or the little heart emoji. You do not need your net worth or any other measure to tell you, to affirm to you that you are significant that you are valued and valuable ultimately to the one who made you. In C.S. Lewis's uh, essay, The Weight of Glory, he writes this, to be loved by God, delighted in, as an artist delights in his work, or a father and a son, it seems impossible, a weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain. 
but so it is. That's worth meditating on, marveling in, praising God in response. That glory's roots are in God making you in his image. Lewis uh, goes on later on in the essay to say, it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible, quote, gods and goddesses, to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you can talk to may one day be a creature which, if you say it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or, or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. If bearing the image of God has this great potential as well as this great downside, if bearing the image of God has uh, the possibility of highest highs and lowest lows if we reject his plan for us, what makes the difference between those two opposite? What, what prompts you to, to go on this path versus the other path? That leads us lastly to the ultimate image bearer. When we turn away from God's design for us as humanity, the pinnacle of his creation, we turn away from God's design for his world, we call that sin, very simply. The Bible does. And when we sin, we distort the image that God's uh, created in us. We mar it. We, others can't see God through us as clearly as we should reflect him. We lose our humanity, we might say. It's not just um, an attribute. It, it is essential to what it means to be a human being. We lose our humanity. God's design of beauty and harmony turn ugly and chaotic. Here's the antidote. We need recreation. We've messed up creation. We need recreation. Listen to the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And then Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, do not, lie to your, uh, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. How do we access this transforming, renewing power to recover and restore our image-bearing potential? I remember in my childhood, um, a popular sports ad running that was centered around this line, I want to be like Mike. And it was referring to Michael Jordan. Um, if you want to drive to the basket like Mike, you got to watch film. There was no YouTube back then. You know, just look, look for reruns. If you want to uh, sing like your favorite artist, you need to listen to her, learn from her how to uh, do what singers do. <laughs> a, an apprentice learns from his master. Uh, a student learns from her professor. And image bearers, all humans, access this image-transforming, image-renewing power by following after and trusting in the one who perfectly reflected the image of his Father. This is what the book of Hebrews says about Jesus. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Three verses into this letter. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He did not fail in the least to reflect the image of his father in a sense. And then 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 4 through 6, 4, 4 and 6. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Put these together. What's it saying? If you want to see the glory of the God who has made all things, you need to look at Jesus because he is the ultimate image bearer. He is the image of God. He is the means that the world can know more and more, most fully the creator God. He reflects the glory of the Father without fail. When the eternal God entered time and space for the first time, we call that Christmas, it is no surprise that he took on the form of the creature he had made in his image. He, he could not have taken on any other form. It wouldn't have made sense. Incarnation, then, Jesus coming in the flesh as a man validates and confirms God's creating of mankind in his image. So, Again, this is the only way we can recover and restore the image-bearing potential that we've lost in our sin. This is the only way that we can tap into recreation because we've messed up creation. Follow after the Son, Jesus. Trust in His fully human, perfectly image-of-God-bearing life that He lived. We, uh, we, we heard Ashley lead us in the offertory song the life we should have lived. Jesus lived that. We have failed in our sin. And we humble ourselves. This is how we, we tap into that power to access image transforming and image restoring power in recreation. We humble ourselves as creatures before our creator and realize that although we have corrupted God's good creation, he offers us recreation through trust, through faith in the Son who is the perfect image-bearing man. If you believe that his life is a substitute for yours and his death is full payment for your sins, Paul says you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. It's already true of you in God's eyes and he's making it more and more the reality in your life. And then, how do we fully access transformation? We look ahead to the last day when Jesus returns, when history ends, when God completes this recreating work in us. Here's, the, uh, here's what uh, the Apostle John says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. On that last day, when salvation is done, what's the description of God's people, of all who trust in the Son, the perfect image bearer? John says, we shall be like him. 
we will look like our Savior, and we will be more fully human than any person has been since the day God created Adam and Eve and said, this is very good. These are gospel origins. Let's pray. This is good news, Lord. We need good news when we look around at our world and we look in the mirror and see a corrupted reflection of you. This is good news that you are making all things new. You are recreating us through Jesus. and You promise us a day when we will be like him. It's almost too much to believe, especially in light of our sin. So bring that to mind, Lord, that we might be renewed in the image of our creator. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.